0: I'll be honest, nervously excited is the emotional state that I um, came up with this morning as I was trying to define how I feel. Because I'm going to share a message with you that I've been working on most of my adult life, and that message is titled, Living Legacy. While some pastors may view a Sunday like today as an opportunity to brush off an oldie but a goodie message or... Something like that. Now, I'm not trying to ridicule any pastor that would do that. Um, That's not me. And that's not my personality. So, I asked myself, self, if you had one message to give, what would it be? Excluding, you know, we're saved by grace through faith because that's what every good pastor would say first. But if it wasn't going to be that one, what would be the one message that you would want to give? If you could give one message to one group of people at one time because that's what this morning is because this is it today because children of the world are here this afternoon, or later this morning and I decided that the only message that I would give if I only had one message to give would be to talk about this concept of living legacy that I've been wrestling with my whole life or well, my whole adult life um, but you'll have to wait and see Just like me, nervously anxious about what God has for us this morning as I share part of my life story and part of my heart with you this morning. A few months ago, I shared with you a story of how my family and I put our trust in God and moved to southwest Kansas. As I accepted a teaching contract with no understanding of what it meant or what we were called to do, we just knew that we knew that when God, when God calls, we have to move. When God calls, we move. Today I want to add to that story. When we arrived in Kansas, I joined the staff of liberal First United Methodist Church in liberal Kansas and began working with the newly formed youth ministry of the church. Before meeting a single youth in the congregation, I felt God leading me to label the theme and the image and icon and the goal of instruction for that first year of ministry that I would lead. And the vision and phrase that I was given, that I discerned, was this concept of living legacy. Living legacy. My goal in ministry became helping youth to recognize that God called them to live their legacy today. To encourage and support them to be people of God that they were called to be in their day-to-day lives, in their schools, in the community, and with their family. Being a person of faith, you see, means being genuinely who you are in God today, in the real world in real life, right now, in this moment. Some kids, some kids got it. Some kids got it, and they understood it, and some kids didn't get it at all. Some kids embraced their legacy, and while other kids, they just simply mocked it. Some parents mocked it. Some parents understood it. However, I still, to this day, Years later, receive messages from these kids that are grown up, out of college, working professional lives, married, starting to have children, who tell me how it changed their life and how, or how they finally get it all these years later. I saw a post recently by one of them on Facebook that said, legacy is not something you leave behind, it's something you live for the world to see. And I was amazed. I even had t-shirts made up at the local print shop. They weren't very good quality, but they were pretty awesome, I thought. It was the first time I ever had a t-shirt made. and. Um, we put living your legacy on the front with the cross and flame and on the back we put that scripture that every youth group puts on um, from 2 Timothy 4:12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and your love and your faith and your purity. But in that passage Paul is talking to Timothy his companion and teaching partner who is much younger than him. You see, some things in life really never change. Timothy faced a challenge that some people still face today um, when we're talking about life and faith and living out God's calling in the world, and that was that he was much younger than the people he was talking to. But Paul tells Timothy that he shouldn't worry about the pushback about his age. Instead, Paul tells him that he should focus on on setting the example lead the way by being the example for other people to follow because when you do your words and your actions align and when your words and actions align people know what you stand for indeed you actually begin to live out your legacy in your life as you begin to stand for the essential things and and really the most important things in your life think about it I'll be honest I genuinely miss that group of kids. Aaron made me this plaque of that first set of middle school students I worked with when they graduated high school. Um, This one's a second grade teacher in the school district that I got my first teaching contract in now. Her ex-boyfriend owns his own insurance company they inspired my journey to begin a life of full-time ordained ministry. And they showed me that there was still hope in the world for God's kingdom. And they proved to me that God can still transform lives. Because I was living in a moment in my life where I didn't know if that was still possible. Now, maybe you've never had that crisis of your life of faith, But in that moment in my life, I wasn't sure if God could still do it anymore. That's why that still stays in my office. They taught me what a living legacy could look like as a middle school and high school student. But you turn the page a few years, turn the page a few years and I'm in seminary or cemetery as some people like to call it. <clears throat> you know we're good people of faith go to die <laughs> and i came face to face with another expression of legacy and i'm shadowing a pastor friend of mine as i met with a family with this pastor and i'm not a minister i'm still working in youth ministry but i'm i'm taking every opportunity to learn because that's also who i am and we met with this family as they were preparing a funeral for a loved one who had passed and my pastor friend, can I, can I invite my friend who's looking at going into ministry to come along? To which they said yes. And my pastor friend asked the family as we sat in the living room with, with, the, with the children, and he said, what were his favorite things to do? To which the family had little to say except that the deceased loved to argue with people. What were his passions my friend asked Single malt scotch was the best answer that one of the children said After an hour of talking with the family and the children my family or my friend pastor and I sat down at a local diner in that community to go over his legal pad of notes that had Almost no notes on them. And my friend sighed as he looked at me and just said, It's so unfortunate. You see, there are two ways that things can go for us. We can either leave a legacy that everyone knows, or we can leave a legacy that no one wants to talk about. The truth about legacy is that our legacy is actually lived in our lives. The memory of that legacy is remembered and embodied by the next generation. Our legacy is something that we live out in our lives. It's something that we do. Near the end of Paul's life, um, Paul was ready to pass the mantle to the next generation, which was was Timothy. Timothy was one of his students, and, and he was tired. Paul was tired. He was worn out. He was ready to be done but he understood the reality of of fulfilling his legacy and of, of fulfilling his calling and to pass it on in his life. And so near the end of his second letter to Timothy, he wrote these words, and he said, As for me... My life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. You see, Paul poured out his life for Christ's mission and ministry. He's and he's passing the mantle to the next generation. He's remained faithful through it all. He has lived this legacy because he has lived in the world and he did not wait for someone else to determine what that legacy was. The world is radically transformed. And I hope that that just clicked for you. Paul lived his legacy. And he claimed it for himself while he was alive. As for me, Paul says, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. For I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. I have done these things. Paul has named and claimed his legacy. He has lived into this legacy in his lifetime. It was not Timothy or the next generation of missionaries who decided what Paul's legacy was. Paul knew his legacy, and he lived it boldly. One of the great honors and privileges that I have as a minister is to walk beside people as they they wrestle with the spiritual reality and and the mourning associated with with the loss of a loved one. As people of faith, we know that death is only a transition point between our mortal life and God's infinite eternity. And the funeral service has deep meaning and significance in my personal life and in my ministry as it as it is designed to be a celebration of life with the aim of helping family members and friends in their time of grief and loss. But there are three parts of the funeral service that I want to talk about this morning that represent to me this idea and this concept of living legacy. And so I want to walk you through these three parts for a few minutes with the goal of helping you think about and to begin to wrestle with your legacy, and living your legacy, and articulating your legacy, and like Paul, claiming your legacy in your life. And so the first part is the music. The first part is the music. Some may joke about having a soundtrack to your life, but I don't think it's so much a joke. From my experience, there's a lot of truth to the fact that there are songs in our lives that, that represent who we are in the world. Ephesians 5.9 says, Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in all your hearts. And, and music is not only a crucial part to our worship experience, but it's a vital part of our lives as well. Music triggers a different part of our brains. God created our brains to respond to music differently than spoken word. This is true. Music can speed up or slow down your heart rate. It can change your blood pressure. That's been proven. Music can change your mood, which can alter and affect the outcome of your day. I want you to listen to a song for a second, if it can recognize my face. It's my ringtone on my phone, and it has been for years, but it only happens when a family member calls, someone in my immediate family. Anyone know what that song is? Besides the song that was with the intro clip to the message this morning? Everyone in my family knows what that song is, and I don't think one of them like it. But that doesn't matter, it's not their song. It's mine. It's a theme song to Rambo. It's called it's called It's a Long Road but it has a very deep and meaningful, it's very deep and has a lot of meaning and significance to my life. And while it may be funny to a lot of you, and I get it, it's a, it's a horrible song. It, the lyrics are really bad. If you ever Google it, like the author who wrote the song in the 70s, yeah, it's bad. But it has deep meaning and significance to me because it speaks to me in my life's journey about how lost I was, if you've ever seen the movies, how lost I was, how long I searched for purpose in my life, how desperately I wanted to find a place I could call home. And even though the lyrics are horribly written, the lone trumpet and guitar remind me of my home and of my family and of God's abiding presence in all times of my life, even when I felt lost. As silly as it may sound, the instrumental version of It's a Long Road, as bad of a song as it is, is a legacy song of my life. And it has deep meaning in my life. So here's my question. If I were to ask your spouse, your significant other, a child of yours, a close friend, a coworker, a neighbor, a volunteer buddy of yours, a fellow PTA member, what a legacy song of your life is, what would they say? What song defines your life and defines your legacy? Not, what song do you like? And I'm happy, clap along. Not, what do you like to sing in the car, but what song defines you as a person of God. Not what song do your kids or your kids' kids know enough out of the hymnal to choose for your funeral, but what song has deep meaning to your life? What is your legacy song? Second part is the words. In Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Effective, Highly Effective People, he writes in his book, I think it's in chapter 2, this exercise to help the reader focus on starting with the end in mind. And the practice is simple. He's, he asks the reader to imagine that you're watching your own funeral. And as you watch individuals get up to speak about you, he asks that you write down what each of these four people say about you. Your family member, so a spouse, a child, a sibling, an aunt, or an uncle, a close friend, a coworker, and a community member, like a church member, a PTA member, a volunteer you work with. Now, personal experience has told me that in this area of my life, that it's best not to go ask that person what they'd say about you at your funeral because not everybody will give you a very effective answer because some people are very open and honest about what they'd say at your funeral, um, and some are not. But when I worked through this exercise on my own over this last year, I found it very insightful to break them apart and write them all down individually. And I was very specific about it. I actually sat down and I wrote out um, specifically, for instance, my wife. And I wrote down about my wife and what I hoped that she noticed about our marriage. I also wrote one to my oldest son, and I had to stop there, but I wrote about the things that I wished he saw about me as a father. And in doing so, I realized that I wasn't doing the best job of living out the legacy that I wanted to in my life. You see, Paul poured out his life as an offering to God. But part of my offering, my personal offering in my life, is the sacrifices that I make, not only for God, but the sacrifices that I make for my family, and the sacrifices I make for my friends, the sacrifices I make for my community, because I am a whole person. I'm not just a pastor, I'm also a husband and I'm a father, and I'm a friend, and I'm a volunteer, and I'm all of those things at the same time. And so this offering that Paul is talking about involves all of these other things. And so I would encourage you and challenge you today not only to think about what these people might say, but actually to put pen to paper and write it down. If you were to sit at your own funeral, what would a family member say? What would a friend say? What would a coworker say? And what would a community member say? The third part, and I think the most important part, is Scripture. Every funeral is a celebration of life and is a recognition of the transition from our mortal life into God's eternity, of moving from mortality to immortality, from perishability to imperishability, and it's all based on our understanding of faith and of God's work. Now, don't throw anything at me. That's a good preface, right? (laughs) It's not that I doubt that Psalm 23 is not a significant scripture in your life. It is an important and significant scripture in my life. But I'll be honest, Psalm 23 is not a legacy scripture in my life. Let me ask you, What Bible story or passage has most transformed your life more than any other? What verse of Scripture has reached out and slapped you in the face? What words have convicted you to change your perspective on the world and of God's presence in it? I'll give you a glimpse into my life this morning And in my heart. One of my legacy scriptures comes from the Gospel of of John, chapter 11. And it's a story of, it's a part of um, the raising of Lazarus. Lazarus was um, a friend of Jesus. And Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And we read about them in John 11. And and Lazarus is sick. And they send for Jesus. And Jesus gets held up, healing some other people. and, And Jesus is late getting there. And Lazarus dies. And Mary and Martha are grieving. Jesus, if you had just been there, if you would have just been there, you could have healed him. And Jesus said, Take me to his grave. And the sisters, full of sorrow, You would only have been here, you could have done something, Jesus. And that's important to me because I've said that to God God, you could have done something here. Why didn't you? Why didn't you do something about this? You could have fixed this. And you know what Jesus does? Jesus sees the sorrow of Mary. Martha in the shortest verse in the New Testament Jesus responds by weeping and Jesus cried change my world when Jesus saw the sorrow of Mary and Martha he cried with them change my life you could have done something Jesus Where was Jesus? He was crying on the ground right beside them. That's a legacy scripture in my life. It may not be in yours, but in my times of sorrow and frustration with God, it changed my world. So I challenge you, what is a scripture that changes your world? What is a scripture and a passage that changes your life? Because that is a scripture, that is a passage that is a legacy verse. And what often happens in our lives is that those stories of transformation and the Holy Spirit working in our lives aren't communicated. We don't tell our kids those stories. And they never hear about them. Our legacy doesn't start when we leave this world behind. Our legacy starts right now, in this moment. Legacy is meant to live. Our legacy is meant to be lived today. It is not something that someone says to the world that we were. It is who we are in our lifetime. So I challenge you to live your legacy now. Let's pray together.